They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors. We are two follically challenged pastors talking about faith and life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And here we are. We are jumping into an amazing story because we are going to be looking at the book that's keeping all the others down on your shelf, <laughs> the Bible. The Bible. The most popular book of all time, one of our favorite books, and we're going to jump into talking about the Bible, but we're starting off in a little different way than what you may expect. Yeah, so normally when you start a book, you start on page one. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to do that, actually. Uh, I'm... I'm, I can't take credit for this. I'm stealing it from my teachers. So people of blessed memory like Terry Fredheim and Jim Lindbergh, who are no longer with us, um, taught me this. And it's, uh, it's festered for a long time, and I have, it's taken a little while to put it back together again uh, in my own psyche and my own understanding. But um, where we're going to start is the exile. Mm. So in the late 580s before Jesus... Scholars vary on if it's, you know, 586, 790, somewhere in there. But um, anyway, in the late uh, 6th century, early 6th century, um, Babylon was the, the big bully on the, in the neighborhood. They were in power. Yeah. So little brief history. The Assyrians came and took out the northern part of what we now call, you know, Israel-Palestine. Um couple hundred years, lots of political just mismanagement. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as the Bible would reflect, uh, you know, idolatry and falling away from God and also uh, prophets being active. And then you've got the southern kingdom, uh, Judea. And uh, by the time the Babylonians take over the Assyrians, they want at all so mm-hmm. they they want to take over that whole what we call kind of the the near east as their empire the tigris and euphrates being the main uh commercial and and fertile crescent area of of their empire and uh taking over some land and uh you know the people of israel are kind of in the way so they're going to get under siege and eventually run over by history uh, but what happens is after Jerusalem is destroyed, uh, what the Babylonians do is let's take the, the wealthy, the most connected, the best and the brightest, and we're going to bring them back to our capital and put them to good use for us. And, of course, a lot of ordinary people, too. Uh, and some people left behind in the process, too. But the, the consciousness of the people shifts from the land which they believed was going to be theirs forever. Mm-hmm. And the temple, which was God's literal dwelling on earth. Yep. And this story uh, and calling of, they were supposed to be a special people in the world, called to be a blessing to everybody else. Um, and suddenly all of that is ripped That's away. gone. It's gone. That, yep. It's gone. So it's a huge identity crisis moment. Um, and you can you can look into our own stories and say we've had plenty of those. Uh, yep. Certainly, the pandemic was that and is that for a lot of people. Um, certainly, nine eleven was a is a, a watershed moment like that. Uh, you can go all the way, you know, generation to generation, all kind of these moments. You just name them, 
as, you know, when, when Kennedy was, was killed, you know, when we entered World War II, uh, you know, when we got into, uh, you know, when the stock market crashed in the tw- uh, 100 years ago. All these moments are like, okay, this is defining who we are now in a totally different way. So they were experiencing that, and they, of course they had their stories, right? I mean, we all have our family stories, these things that are just really important to us, the ones you tell every Thanksgiving and Christmas, the ones every time you're together, they're, you can even shorthand them into jokes uh, yeah. with one another. Of course, there's the parts we don't want to talk about too, um, but they're there in kind of underlying places. And that is how kind of the Bible gets put together, not it's not they're not writing the bible it's collecting the stories in kind of a format so if you have any experience with the bible at all especially if you're reading through the old testament you're cruising through and it sounds sometimes like the voice changes or it sounds sometimes like wait a minute that's not what you just said over there right um well these are different stories being woven together and if you can imagine so in after they lost everything, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. What I could uh, picture is sitting around campfires, right, and exactly. reliving these stories and telling these stories because the people who started out on the journey, they didn't necessarily last the 40 years. So the stories had to be passed down from generation to generation, and in many Jewish households, that's how stories continue to be passed down through their traditions. They continue to tell the biblical story, so that continues from one generation to another, even today. Yeah, and that, I think that's a very just human piece, yes. right? I mean, whatever our, our background, culture, or faith is, we all do this. It's a it's an innate human quality of trying to uh, of passing your your story on to the next generation and enjoying that story in the meantime for both meaning and direction and guidance, correction, uh, you know, all these kind of pieces. So if you're in a place in the, you know, 580s and you're thinking about, okay, what, what do you, what's a story you need to hear from your history uh, while you have lost your land, your house of worship, your culture? You're losing your language because now you've got to be assimilated into this other empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you're, you're kind of being erased into the annals of history. What... What would be a great story for the people of Israel to tell? And that story is the Exodus. Yes. That is the overwhelming story of what we would call the Old Testament. It's, it's for sure the, the meta-narrative of what we call either the Pentateuch or the Torah because uh, it consumes the, the main narrative of all the other things that are going on. And so, okay, so, so they're going to frame that story in a way that, that can speak to their people. And, and can then be enjoyed and, and learned from and studied and debated uh, on an ongoing basis all the way till now, right? I mean, it just, it's got that kind of quality. And so where, where are you going to start that story out of Exodus? Well, they start at the beginning. So that's how yep. we get those creation stories. What happens at the, before the Exodus story is really just kind of setting us up for the Exodus story. And then what is happening after is the continued ramifications of people either not listening to God or God saying right. you need to change your ways and then they do and then they don't and everybody just kind of ends up doing their own thing. And so it's it, it just a, a continued narrative from that story. So that is really the centerpiece of the Old Testament. 
Yeah, and, and the, the Bible as a whole, I mean, I think we have this notion, and I don't know where we got it from, but we we seem to try to read it like it's play-by-play reporting. Right. Like this is what's happening right now. So who's writing that creation story when, when God sp- speaks light into the darkness? Well, obviously there's nobody there doing that. Somebody <laughs> is reflecting back on that, but we read it that way a lot of times. And even, you know, you get to the New Testament and you start telling the stories of Jesus— um, you say, well, why is Matthew different than Luke and Mark and John? Well, they're reflecting back on the story, mm-hmm. and they're trying to communicate it to their community of the things that are important for them and what they're struggling with. So it's not a question of who was right, Mark or John. It's a question of how. why are you telling this story? Why is this helpful uh, yeah. for us uh, as we, you know, we're, we're as a people seeking God to guide us, and this narrative fills that in. Um, and it, it creates identity, it creates, you know, uh, a purpose, it, it creates a mission, it, it creates faith, obviously, it, it builds that continuity of community that, that goes over time. So that's where I, I think it's important to start this story, is uh, from a people who are really at the bottom, uh, and really Israel's mostly at the bottom throughout most of the story of the Bible, actually. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we've we've heard from history and know from history that that's continued to be the case for, you know, centuries. And so that's why these, I, one of the reasons why these stories are so compelling is here's what faithfulness looks like when it looks like you've lost it all. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I, I think starting in the exile when you've lost it all is, is a good place to start. And then some, some of these other, you know, narratives that come through, you know, you're reading through or trying to at least, you know, get through Kings and Chronicles, and you're like, who is this bozo? <laughs> um, but you see why. We're, we're, it's a, the, the history of all these corrupt kings and idolatrous kings is a warning to us mm-hmm. that we're not, it's a call to faithfulness now in the midst of, we don't, well, we lost the kingdom, right? It's gone. So how can we be faithful now? Uh, well, see what happens. Here's some examples of what it looked like when we weren't. And uh, every once in a while, you get a little bright spot that shows up. But uh, it, overwhelmingly, it's about God's faithfulness to the people, even in spite of all of their failure. And that kind of sounds like good news. It is. It is. So, Jeff, what is a story that you are connected with, either personally or in your family, that has been passed down from one generation to another? So, a story that I know... Um, and it's taken me a while to kind of fill in some of the gaps, but um, so I'm, let's see, my grandfather was the first of my family born here in the United States. So my great grandparents came over. Um, that's not true on all the threads of my family tree, but my Cinebaldo family tree, I'll just stick with them. Um, it, they came from a very small little village in central Italy, very poor had uh, three or four sons. Um, his name was Antonio Cineboldi. Her name was Laura. <laughs> um, Deleggi, I think, was her maiden name. Anyway, um, he came across the United States in about 100 years ago or so and got a job outside of Chicago or in Chicago uh, working on the railroad mm-hmm. and was trying to save up money to bring the family over. And in the meantime, there was a terrible earthquake 
in their community or nearby their community, all the boys were killed. Uh, the church was destroyed, which held all the family records for all those years. So really, this is the start of my story, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm sure the Cinebaldos were around for a while, but as far as I know, this is, this is our entry point. Um, and then they had two more sons. One, his name was Tiglio, and the other one was Armando, which was my grandfather. Um, Tiglio, or Tiggy, I like to call him. Um, he was maybe three or four, and when he saw the candy vendor across the street, mm-hmm. ran across the street and was hit by a streetcar and killed. Oh so my, my So my grandfather, who was the youngest of five, I think, grew up an only child. Mm-hmm. His parents were both illiterate, um, never spoke a lick of English, uh, poor immigrant family. Mm-hmm. And when the, he was going to go to school, the neighbor kid filled out the form and wrote O instead of I. So we're the Cinebaldos oh, because Cinebaldis, of that. Cinebaldis, yeah. So, so maybe we have relatives out there, who knows. But as far as I know, again, because of that little shift, um, th- this is who we are. Yeah. And then uh, he he grew up, and, and then World War II broke out, and he enlisted in the Army Air Corps and um, came back, almost changed his name uh, to Sinclair instead of Cinebaldo to kind of try to Americanize it a little bit. And growing up, uh, my my... Grand, uh, my dad and my aunt. I mean, they kind of really made an effort. We're Americans. We're 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 doing this. So it's taken a while for me to really kind of uncover some of that Italian side. Yeah. Um, even though we we still had all the food and all those kinds of things, but we didn't know words or stories really. Some of those have really come out in later years. Um, but one of the fun connecting points is so when my son was born, so my grandfather's name was Armando Giuseppe Cinebaldo, and he went by AJ. Okay. Um, but when Joe was born, he was born on his birthday. Oh, okay. So we named him Joe. Yeah. So, so he's Giuseppe. Yeah. Uh, after him. And when he was, my grandfather was still alive at the time. And when we told him that's his name, he's named after him. And it, the born on the birthday, I mean, it was like his whole life was affirmed. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool. So even when he was in bad health and uh, dying and stuff like that, he had a picture and be like, this is my great-grandson. He's born on my birthday, named after me. Nice, kind of a thing. nice. And, and that's kind of cool. So we, I kind of try to carry that forward. We talk, that's a story we tell a lot. Um, I want my kids to know it. I want them to know who they are. Um, you know, Tammy's side of the story, totally different. They were, you know, from Germany and Switzerland, and they, they came – and the same people that were fighting in the old country are the same people that are fighting in Wisconsin all these generations later. Cause right, like the whole right. community kind of moved over and it's just kind of funny like that. But, um, that, that part of who I am, I love, I love that story. I love kind of living into it. I'd like my, my aunt Gail, she actually went to that village, uh, to travel and, and kind of see it probably, I don't know, 30 years ago now. Um, and that was kind of a, a neat experience for her. I'd love to do that at some point. Um, but, but that's, I like that because it's, it's also about, um, even though, you know, I grew up as kind of the all American kid in the suburbs with what all those things mean. And I didn't know any of this then. Right. And, uh, after becoming an adult and getting to learn a little bit of that history, I think it's kind of cool. And then I start to wonder about other people's stories and how they came to be here and how, what struggles they went through and. And how, I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities that other people haven't had. Mm-hmm. And so just to think think through some of those things, because there's just so many dynamics even in our own culture of how all of those things 
work and don't work for people based on when they came and where they came from and what they yep. look like and um, all those all those uh, factors that are very much alive in our society. And uh, I don't know. I just think it, it just is cool. Yeah. So how about you? You got a good family story? Yeah. So what what that brings up for me, what your story brings up for me is is the continued story of, of my father, right? So at three years old, my father was adopted and pretty much his entire life he spent uh, learning about his family, learning about who he was and, and how um, that has evolved over time. So he really did not know his birth parents growing up. And for many years in, into his 40s, he had no idea who his birth parents were. And he and my mom did a lot of research. They ended up finding his birth mother, but they never found his birth father. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't know who he was. So when I was about 14 or 15 years old, uh, they ended up finding his uh, two birth brothers mm-hmm. from his mother's side. And so they were able to reconnect. And it's one of those weird things where, where one of the brothers married a woman that was the same name as my mom. You know, they had the same name. And uh, my uncle George and my dad, they, they looked like they were brothers. And it just, <clears throat> the similarities were, were amazing. As, as he got older, uh, they continued to do some search to see where his birth father was because they, they realized that my dad was born in 1930 and they think it, he was born out of an affair. Mm-hmm. And they, the joke was it was a traveling salesman that came into town, met his mother, and then she ended up marrying a guy and had his, his two brothers. So that was, that was kind of the joke that, that went around. And then... 23 and me and ancestry kind of got popular. They thought it was interesting to have my dad's DNA kind of looked at and say, okay, where, where was he from? You know, what, what is his, his heritage, his DNA? What does that say? So through 23 and me, he found out that he was half Jewish mm-hmm. he, and cool. he had some of these other traits as well. But, uh, and then Ancestry said, you have a very close relative here. And so they said, okay, that's interesting. And they, they looked into it and they sent an email to the guy and the guy didn't respond. But then after doing a little more digging, they found some contact information for him and connected with him and said, we think, according to Ancestry, that you may be a brother mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. your dad's side. It ends up he is my dad's brother, biological brother from his dad's side. And it, his father, his birth father, wasn't a traveling salesman. He was a circus performer. And he went into town. That's and, why you like walking on the type. <laughs> that's right. He went into town and, uh, and he opened for the Three Stooges at some point. No and. Wow. It was just an incredible story. So this, this story has been coming together over year after year after year. It's just been a continued thing that we've kind of talked about and learned more about and shared about and celebrated with as we learn more about who our family has been and who have, have we been connected to. And my father died in 2020, but we still stay connected with this new family that we have kind of embraced yeah. over the years. Wow. So it was a few years ago. I'm trying to remember what year it was, but I was 
in the in the parking lot. I was going to go into the store to buy Easter candy, so I know exactly when this was. I'm just trying to track down what year it was. But I got this ping, you know, for an email that had come through, and it was this guy from Sweden. And uh, actually, no, it was through Facebook Messenger. And I thought, okay, this this can't be true, right? But he's like, he he knew... It was like his grandfather was a cousin or, or, or a brother or something like that of my great-grandmother on my Swedish side. Like, that was the connection. It was like we had a common, there was a brother relationship, and then it, where the, the family tree deviated. Their family stayed in Sweden. My family came here. Uh, my great-grandmother, who I knew, who lived till I was a sophomore in high school, she was uh, 90, almost 99, um, you know, she came through Ellis Island and did that whole thing, and she would tell that story. Uh, I can still kind of remember her telling it. Um, but uh, it was kind of fun to kind of track that down, and then my uncle, who does all the Ancestry.com stuff, that made me think of it while you were talking, he kind of put this all together, and they ended up meeting. So my wow. my, my uncle and my mother um, met this gentleman when he was in the United States on a tour. Um, and they, That's they actually kind of had, you know, some time and I think even a meal together to kind of re make that connection. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting how these family things kind of come together. So, you know, when you talk about how do stories frame who you are, uh, now that I'm teaching at Notre Dame high school, um, when I was introducing myself or when I still introduce myself, it's a pretty diverse community of kids that go to this school, but there's a lot of Italian Americans, a lot of Hispanic, a lot of, uh, African American. Um, and a variety uh, yeah. of, uh, of everybody else. But there's a pretty, pretty large contingency of those people. And uh, so I say, you know, my name's Cinebaldo, but I'm, I'm, I'm both Swedish and Italian, so I'm, I'm very passionate about hiding my feelings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, everybody yeah, laughs. Yeah. So it's just kind of a nice little fun way to kind of yeah, say yeah. who I am. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these things matter. And to bring it back, you know, we both have told stories of our families that involved exodus, involved exile, estrangement, um, shame. Mm. Um, you know, you know, isn't that what this whole Bible piece is about and, and finding meaning in those stories and to say, you know, why do we tell these stories? Because they tell us who we are and, you know, we're not any different. And the, what the underlying theme then through these stories is, well, not sucks to be you. It's God's with you in the midst of this and seeing you through to the other side. And that the ultimate message is one of, of redemption. And we think of redemption in kind of all these spiritualized ways we, you know, we think about things. But really, it's, a, it's about you know, being comfortable in your own skin and living in the world in a positive way and you know, not needing to feel ashamed of who you are. Uh, because you've you've made that you've made that trek. You, yeah, you've you've journeyed through the wilderness. You've come out the other side. And th- and that's an important piece, I think, is not feeling ashamed about who you are because we are who we are. We've had experiences, both good and bad, that yeah. make us who we are. And there could be a choice in there, right? We could be like. Some of the people in the Exodus story were be like, I'd rather just go back to Egypt and die there and live a miserable life. Absolutely. Or are we going to move forward to the promised land right. with hope that eventually we will make it there and 
we could continue to move on. And that's something that, that my father had the choice, right? He, right. not knowing his birth parents, not knowing his history, he could have said, well, that just sucks for me and I'm going to live a terrible life because I didn't know that. Or are you going to continue to do the things that you want to do, that you feel called to do, and, and continue to do that search until you find the answers? Right. Whether it's Babylon or whether it's being enslaved in Egypt, or whether it's Job, whether it's uh, Abraham and Sarah leaving their home, there's always people that don't come on that journey with you. Right. And that's okay. Um, but it's also about trying to listen and respond to where God is calling uh, because there is, there is life on the other side. And uh, that's why I think starting in the exile is so important. Yeah. All yeah. of us have been there. Yeah. Um, it's a very human, broken place to start. Um, and it's full. It, it's a place that can name all of our failures. We all have them. Uh, it can name our shame. We, can all, we all feel that. Uh, we all have regret. We all have a history. And yet, uh, having a story that's rooted in, in promise and hope and a better future uh, and through perseverance and struggle that's uh, compelling. Yeah. That's compelling. Yep. So for me, you know, and hopefully maybe you've gotten something out of this on the other side of listening to it is, uh, you know, we, we, we all start in this place. And, you know, why do we tell this story again and again? Because it's all of our story, really. Uh, even though it's, it's centered in a people, in a time, in a place, uh, it, there's a universality to it that I think continues to speak uh, and I think that's why it's holy scripture and not just something on the shelf. And we would love to hear your stories too. If you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash two bald pastors, we would love to hear your stories and why they are important to you. Thank you for joining us today. We are the two bald pastors helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a blessed day. Peace out. Might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors.